Hello and welcome to the IMB podcast brought to you by the Communications Office and Student Media Cell of IIM Bangalore. The new podcast series aims to become a platform to discuss the latest business, economics, management and social issues that matter. The podcast will witness IIM Bangalore fraternity including but not limited to the faculty members, students and alumni provide their insights and perspectives to the topics and issues that surround us. The onset of covid and the norm of social distancing truly made us realize that though we are striving for individual and financial independence all our lives we value social networks and connections much more than we realize not just in our personal lives but also in the business context we have social associations playing a more than subtle role than we think whether it is a merger and acquisition deal or a client and vendor selection we have identities and social associations playing a role implicitly or sometimes even explicitly however covid has changed the way of working to a virtual setting the gig economy rewards freelancers entrepreneurs multiple careers at a time does this change the way social identities and associations play in business deals and decisions to shed more light on this topic we have professor manaswini balla an associate professor in the economics and social sciences area at IIM Bangalore her work in pricing has been published in journals like the journal of economic theory and journal of industrial economics she is currently exploring the role of culture on economic outcomes in the context of corporate boards entrepreneurship the legal system and real estate in a series of working papers which is what we are here to explore as well welcome professor manaswini to the imb podcast It is a pleasure to have you here with us for this episode. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So professor, let me start with an introductory question to set the context for this discussion. What is the significance of network and connections in business and why is this discussion important? Okay, um let me begin by clarifying uh, at the very beginning. the talking we talking about social networks that are formed uh, based on some shared identity you know like uh, religion region ethnicity gender or even alma mater now these networks and connections are you know ubiquitous uh, and they have been playing in a very important role in almost every walk of our lives and uh, you know reliance on social networks is not a phenomenon which is just specific to india see in china um urban networks are quite widespread and they're based around what we call as birth county of individuals in sub saharan africa and japan clan like caste in india is a social unit so with social units uh, and and social networks are organized around clans and also the sino you know, phenomena of uh, social networks is not specific to this day and age alone <laughs> you know business historians of great deal of evidence out there which says that social networks during uh, early industrialization in india helped in firms entering in an industry so you know these networks have been around for some time and they're present in almost all parts of the world i'll quickly take a few minutes to tell you how these networks contribute um, you know for firms they help in accessing credit information entry for individuals they help in accessing jobs 
be location, social insurance, and obviously matrimonial alliances. Now you may think, oh, these social networks, reliance on them, it's not, it's a taboo. You're reinforcing biases because you know what you're doing. You're in, in, you know ensuring that only select individuals are getting advantage. Now some economists have a very different opinion about it. You know they think that uh, you know reliance on these social networks may not necessarily be all that bad actually. You know you know when markets don't have complete information or they may be what we call inefficient. And you know decisions which are based on social networks may help in actually reducing these inefficiencies. Um, is it okay if I just give you an example about this? And uh, let me say that uh, there's this firm who intends to hire for a post of a manager. And let's say CV of a person can tell you a lot. You know, you know a lot about a person from a CV, but it's never enough. You know, can you tell about the person's uh, you know diligence, ability? You cannot from a CV. And if you want to account for all of these and hire on the basis of these aspects as well, these soft aspects as well, you know, economic theory says that you should recruit based on inter. If you recruit based on an internal referral made from a person of the same community, you will end up reducing what we call as moral hazard problem, which means that people who are hired from the same community as its referrer will work much harder, will not shirk. And because they don't want to let down their own people, and the, you know don't, don't want social sanctions that they may come along with their own community, and uh, this will help this this reliance on social networks therefore will help in reducing this tendency of shirking, which may arise if you were to hire without social networks. And uh, that does not mean that you know social networks are all good. I mean, or let's say reliance on social networks is always. Uh, advantageous they have their flip side as well um, because look they end up you know giving um, benefits to only select individuals in the community they may restrict the benefits to only certain uh, you know certain people all this uh, concentration of resources to certain communities can sometimes not always lead to a certain thing you know they, it can lead to certain inefficient firms continuing to get access and continuing to prosper and uh, in comparison to certain efficient firms outside the community who may not get this advantage and therefore may have to exit so there is this reliance can have some kind of misallocation of resources if you may since this is such a widespread and uh, deep-rooted phenomena, it's really important to understand them. I've taken quite a few minutes to explain to you how they play out, but I'm very glad that I'm discussing this with you today. Professor, anthropology has proven that we humans exist with our shared identity. We associate ourselves with a group of individuals on different accounts like race, caste, gender, religion, etc. Does this association have a bearing on the way we form formal and informal relations? Oh, absolutely it does. Um, you know, this uh, phrase of birds of feather flocking together and this tendency is unmistakable you know, in almost every aspect of the business, whether be it formal and informal. I'll give you some examples. Huh? Yeah, you, as we just talked about, there are certain castes and communities They've historically dominated and they continue to dominate some you know, business activities in India. 
but what you would probably have not heard of is that you know the social networks actually play an important role in the scientific uh, in the membership of scientific communities and evaluation of scientific grants in china and uh, what's lesser known fact is the fact that you know maybe even less known is that uh, ceos from china uh, you know who are more connected are likely to be you know committing more fraud so yeah there these uh, networks are everywhere and researchers have found many interesting things and um, i'd like to share a few one one example you know from india which is that the caste proximity between the bank manager and the person who borrows loans it increase if there there is caste proximity between these two then uh, the likelihood of receiving loan increases uh the quantity of the loan increases also surprisingly it also reduces the likelihood of doing default so social networks in this particular case is actually good because it helps in reducing the problem of what we call as adverse selection because you know you're giving loans to those who have greater credit worthiness than and for whom you know much more and this reduction in default mm, um between people of the own caste who are borrowing and lending happens probably because there is this you know social sanction this threat of exclusion that may arise if you end up defaulting and um you know the, uh, an example is hitting my head uh, is is coming to me and the, and the example is that from this uh, kachi community um these are those people from the kach part of our country in gujarat and uh, you know they have a very unique informal instrument of financing and this is called the inter corporate deposit yeah inter corporate deposit so what they do is that they give um, loans at much lower rate and these are also unsecured loans in comparison to these formal banks who would give loans which are at a higher rate and also which are based on collateral so they give these these kachi communities they give loans to each other which are at a lower rate and they are unsecured so what are they actually doing i mean i mean what what should you expect should the uh, default rate be high or should you should they they be making more um, having greater returns than the formal banks surprisingly we find that yes you know their returns are 3% above the bank rates now one would wonder why is that happening and the reason is because they are able to distinguish between the peaches and the and the, and the lemons now they are able to use uh, community networks to figure out the poor credit quality borrowers from the good ones so there are some examples there are more about how you know networks play a role in ceo hiring firm performance mergers venture capital so i can continue to go on <laughs> in the mainstream business activities but uh, before we go on to the before we go on to the next section i think uh, what we uh, might want to do is that i just want to tell you a little bit about other aspects where uh, you know business uh, you know social networks have played a role and which is that you know in, in agriculture they've also had a great impact uh, in the sense that agriculture castes have taken advantage of these communities to move into formal businesses for information of technology 
and reliance on social networks in agriculture is particularly important because there's great deal of fluctuations of income in agriculture and under these conditions social networks actually help in creating some kind of a safety net they help in ensuring ease of credit and some kind of smoothing of consumption and this is not true just in india but in vietnam africa etc it's all true there now just one last point and and that is that you know uh, in, in they've also played a big role they continue to play a big role in labor market and this was quite evident uh, in the recent lockdown that we just saw because because of uh, covid maybe um, one found that the safety net of those who didn't have access to credit or government help who did they rely on and they ended up relying on uh, you know or like you know the communities from their home state so labor market is uh, continues to be heavily networked it helps in migration hiring referrals one more good example is that of the muslim traders in kerala uh, from kerala muslim traders from kerala in gulf countries what their typical business is that they procure goods from the rest of the world specifically from india and then they give it to these south asian indians and indians in the gulf country now they have become extremely important in the referrals of uh, people who are picked up or are brought in to gulf countries from india so yeah it might have actually been um, <laughs> now that i think about it, it might have actually been easier to have answered this question instances the social networks do not have an influence and my answer would have been almost nowhere in this day and age we are encouraged to promote diversity to inculcate diverse ideas but your research which shows that corporate boards are mostly composed of common homogeneous caste identities suggests the opposite how do we reconcile these two facts okay um you know now that you've started uh, you've asked me about my research i'm not going to leave this opportunity and i'm going to tell you a little bit about what we find before we can actually you know tell you you know before i get to answer this question so um what we find in our study so what we look is that uh, we look at indian corporate boards from 1999 to 2016 and what we find is that there is a great deal of lack of religion and caste diversity on these boards now by caste sometimes it's misunderstood as this economic classification as being general scheduled caste or scheduled tribe we're not looking at that we're looking at uh, caste which is the segregation or the classification of the hindu society it can be so society can be classified into broad classifications of one like brahmin kshatriya vaishya shudra dalits or much finer into hundreds of classifications like jatis so what do we find we find that there is no well not no there's great deal of lack of diversity on boards either you measure it through religion or you measure it through varn or you measure it through jati i'll give you an example some stats i'll throw at you um on an average 90% of the directors on boards have the same religion similarly on an average 64% of the directors on the boards have the same varn and this is what we get from our data and these are not small numbers these are huge numbers 
Now, not only that, there is a pattern to these observations, these numbers. And what is a pattern? I mean, diversity, when we're talking about diversity, we're saying that there's no diversity. So what does it mean to the firm? It means, I mean, what we find is that the firms that perform better have more diverse boards. And if you are diverse, you perform better, be it with respect to operating income, profits, etc. Give you a quick stat out there for one unit increase in the measure of diversity, operating income increases by 0.48 points. Okay. Now, just one last point of what we make, what we find is that this positive impact of diversity on homophily is the strongest when we look at diversity from the narrowest measure of diversity uh, identity which is jati i'll tell you what it means it means that if you increase if you if the, the the increase in performance is larger if you increase jati diversity which is a finer grained measure of diversity by one unit than if you increase varn diversity or religion diversity. Now, this is this is quite cool because we all know that you know the basic fabric of Indian society is that we all associate each other at this um, you know at the finest levels of identity, which is and our operative identity in most situations activities as jati. Now, yes, uh, diversity is very important because it doesn't only help in from performance, but it also, you know, you know, it helps. It means that there's greater access to viewpoints, information, your and it also help in, you know, catering to diverse set of customer base and shareholders. But you know, it's not always true that less diversity, or less diversity, or you know, homophilousness is bad. It can actually be good. And what could be the reason for that? And the reason is, let's say, a team that has people of similar backgrounds may actually find it easy to work together. There's lesser interpersonal conflicts. Hmm? Yeah, you're right that there is now a drive to push for diversity. And we can sense that because many countries are taking the step in the right direction. I'll give you some examples. Norway has uh, this uh, requirement that public and state-owned companies should have 40% of their boards as women, 40%. Uh, California has mandated that uh, public companies should have at least one female board member. Uh, Nasdaq in USA has recently, just very recently proposed that um, all publicly traded firms should have at least one woman and one underrepresented minority, like in race or sexual orientation. And our India is not very far behind. There's this uh, committee by Kodak, uh, headed by Kodak. And uh, he, they recommended to SEBI that uh, all publicly traded firms must have at least one woman on its board. So yeah, it's a step in the right direction, uh, but there's still a long way to go in terms of, uh, you know, truly um, following the spirit of the laws in the corporate world, yeah. Building on the previous question, in your opinion, isn't the lack of diversity at board member level in corporations in India a representation of our society? 
where shared identities are formed based on religion caste even at educational institutes which are championed as places to breed diversity groups are formed on the basis of the region belonging to their linguistic background etc professor what are your thoughts on this yeah um, uh, absolutely i mean lack of diversity in just corporate boards is nothing but a reflection of our society and you know not just the society our indian society but all across the world um you know american value system that's a survey uh, that has found that 91% of average white person's friends are whites <laughs> 83% of an average black person's friends is black is a black person and if we were to do something similar here in india we would not find anything different so yes it's a reflection of our society now i think this might be a good point in uh, the discussion here to actually think about why does it happen why do we you know associate with people of our own kinds why is this proclivity to form associations on shared identities now one of the reasons could be just that well it's just inherent preference to do so i am of color red and i love to be associated with people who are of the same color and i just like that that's just my preference and this is what we call as taste based bias i'm throwing out quite a few terms out there and uh, yeah we'll we'll we'll, we'll uh, might be beneficial to coin some terms to these tendencies now let me give you an example of how this taste based biases can come about now think about the context where you have an employer uh, he is presented with two CVs which are absolutely identical exactly identical on all measures everything every CV point is exactly identical except for the race or the gender of the candidate now these studies are called audit studies so what have economists found they are basically interested in understanding that if you were to keep everything else constant for a cv but just change this race and gender or anything else any other um, identity would it change or have a difference on the callback rates of candidates now what do you think it will happen no, there's no surprise actually out there that the callback rates do differ substantially based on the varying identities of race and gender so this is a this is this these experiments actually help uh, us understand uh, you know consolidate the fact that yes there is taste based bias out there there could be another reason why you know birds of feather flock together and that could just be you know quote unquote ease of doing business well it's easier more convenient for me to talk and work with someone whom with whom i share similar backgrounds like language essentially it's just easy to do business with them it lowers my costs now there could be another reason why we are associating with people for own time and that's this basically some kind of fear of some social sanctions that come about may come about if i do not uh you know give a special pre- preference to people of my own kind now these could be one reason now i want to talk about one important reason why people may associate based on some shared identities and that which is very different from the ones i just mentioned 
and that reason is given the name called statistical discrimination and we got a hint of that when we discussed first few questions the basic premise is that employers or individuals economic agents you know they don't have complete information about other agents when they are associating with them for example in a potential employers don't have complete information about the productivity or characteristics of the potential employees yeah, potential employees so in this scenario when there is incomplete information or market imperfection if you may what can employers do they will make educated guesses and how will they do that they will use some kind of observable characteristic of the candidates to know more about them to and and to know about to know more about these hidden characteristics of these individuals and what could these observable characteristics be be race and gender and uh, this rational therefore hints that these associations which are based on shared identities may not all be all that bad in fact it can help us set apart as i just mentioned peaches from lemons it may actually help many problems that may arise because of market failure now it's completely another ball game to figure out which of these three forces are actually in play in any particular situation now that's 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 not an easy task so yeah these are the broad reasons why we probably tend to associate with people of our own kind professor in your research you talk about three distinct mechanisms through which caste proximity can make deals between two or more firms likely it can positively affect the flow of information between dealing firms that is information channel directors might privately gain by associating with caste proximate individuals that is agency channel for the better understanding of our listeners could you please elaborate what these factors are and what is their impact on outcome of deals that happen between firms yeah so i'm glad that you asked this question now because it flows very well with the one that we just discussed what we just discussed which are those you know uh, mechanisms the reasons why people associate with each other so let me build on what we just discussed with this example of mergers and acquisition which we do in another study and we first so let me briefly uh, you know tell you about uh, what we find we find that there are there's a high proportion of mergers and acquisitions in india which are between firms with board members which are dominated by the same caste either you look at a coarser level which is varna or you look at a finer level which is jati so then the question is that why are why is this happening this is this is surprising so why are they why are why are firms of feather flocking together could it be that an acquirer firm doesn't have complete information about who it's picking up or its target and hence uses these hidden channels like caste connections to know more about them so that they acquire the peaches and not the lemons and this is what we had just talked about which is called the statistical discrimination or the information channel in our paper is it is it because of that now if that was to happen then this reliance on social networks which we are finding in our research should have meant that firms that are of the same caste are peaches or are 
do should have should be doing much better than the ones which are non same caste mergers so unfortunately we don't find evidence for that in our data set then we explored another mechanism now what could it what could be the reason for the same caste mergers is it because that the same caste mergers marry well they gel together now mergers we all know come with great frictions now is it possible that these frictions are less for the same caste mergers well unfortunately we don't find evidence for that either <clears throat> now there is one more reason and that could be what we call as the agency problem and let me try and explain that a little so that it gets clear um, the same caste mergers could arise because of uh, agency problem or the moral hazard problem same a particular moral hazard problem in the corporate world now directors on boards uh, they have to take major decisions like mergers and acquisitions but they're also they are supposed to represent the interest of the shareholders and stakeholders however it's quite possible that their own personal interest is very different from that of the shareholder so this is what is called as the moral hazard problem in the corporate world or the agency problem where the objectives of the shareholder and those who represent them which is the directors are different now is it possible that mergers of same caste are happening because of this moral hazard or this agency problem well surprisingly we find strong and you know reverberating evidence for this and what do we find we find that there is a significant percentage of same dominant caste directors who are retained from the acquiring firms after the merger so what are we saying what do we find we find that most people who are retained from the acquirers after the merger most directors who are retained from the target from the acquirers after the mergers are from the same dominant caste now these retained directors also find uh, who in these retained directors who belong to the same caste they also see four times increase in their compensation after the merger in comparison to the doubling of the salaries of the non same caste retained mergers so yeah this is you know at least this is what the data is telling us that it's possible that the same caste mergers could happen because of this difference in objective functions of people who are representing the shareholders and the shareholders themselves shifting our discussion from the boardrooms of the corporate world to entrepreneurship we see that entrepreneurs depend a lot on their networks and connections to gather critical resources to help their startups grow additionally to entrepreneurs see such caste based proximity as we see in the corporate world yes um, i'm going to give you throughout lots of examples for you uh, to you and then you'll be convinced that we do and uh, as you just mentioned that communities have played a very big important role uh, and it's not just now uh, in fact um, you know the very important research um, you know, related to 
19th century and 20th century India has shown that uh, networks have played a big role in the cotton and jute textile industry. And this is not true only in China. I'm sorry, not only in India, it's also true in China as well. And uh, where do we find these uh, caste-based or social network-based uh, entrepreneurship, uh, you know, based, based communities in entrepreneurship? We find it everywhere. Have you heard of this Nair Service Society, which is basically serving and forwarding the interest of uh, firms of Nairs? Ezwa community also does the same for its own communities. They basically nurture businesses of people of their own castes. Now, why are they doing all of this? Well, the answers are very similar. We've discussed them, capital, skill, labor, technology. They also do something very important. Together, they help in collectively bargaining for resources, which they could have otherwise not done that. But they also help in, uh, you know, uh, accessing capital. And I want to just give you some example of how communities have helped in, uh, you know, nurturing and the well-being of, the, of their own members. And let me go back to that example of the Muslim traders in Gulf countries. Apparently, you know, they have this informal lending system where they collect funds and then they dis disimburse them between their own people using chit funds. Now, all these activities to grant access to people of their own kind has led to formation of some banks and banks that you and I know now know are much more formal, like you know, Karyur Bank, South Indian banks, Catholic Syrian banks, many other banks were initially just formed to help businesses of their own communities. And yeah, they help in almost every aspect of uh, entrepreneurship, even in supply chains, they are there. So yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's a surprise. It's, it won't be surprising to see that, uh, you know, entrepreneurship depends a lot and successful entrepreneurship depends a lot on the networks and connections. Professor. COVID has induced a virtual work paradigm and it seems that it will go on for some time, at least now. Moreover, we had already seen the popularity and rise of the gig economy, especially within entrepreneurial folks to work from their homes, garage, co-working space and cafes. Do you think this virtual workspace and gig economy lifestyle will alter the identity-based affinities? Well, uh, yes, and uh, it will. But, you know, the how it will have an impact, the answer of that is not clear. Um, let me try and take you back to this one study, which was done by, you know, Putnam in 2000. What he did was that he tried to find, see, he saw that, you know, Americans were less social than before. They were more disconnected ever since the advent of, you know, IT and mass media, they became less connected, less social. And what has COVID done? COVID has done probably exactly that, only multiple times more in intensity and spread. So surely identities will get altered. And one more thing to keep in mind is that our identities are not unidimensional. They are multidimensional. For example, I'm an Indian, I'm a woman, I'm an economist and I'm a Hindu. So with a shock like COVID, where our usual networks are going gone, gone fluid, they're broken, which of these identities will become more prominent actually will depend upon the context 
and the individual. So the answer is not clear as to how it will change. And uh, but we do know that it can have opposing. I mean, this this shock can have actually an opposing. You know, can have can have an impact on the economy. But whether it will be positive or negative is an open question. And I'll try to tell you that. For example, the fact that now the social networks are less forceful the typical social networks are less forceful it can imply that now the resources are going to be allocated more widespreadly people are not going to just you know you know concentrate the resources to their own kind but it could also mean that the social networks um, will not be used to reduce this problem of asymmetric information that we've just been talking about so yeah which how will this have an impact on uh, you know the economy or efficiency of firms etc we don't know they're opposing forces and actually it's an open question so yeah thanks for asking this it gives me ideas for future work in the end professor one last question to summarize our enriching discussion on such a valuable topic how do we ensure that there is more diversity in workplace and reduce dependence on such identities and associations related to those identities is there a way out that we can inculcate yeah uh, you know what's a natural reaction to anything we want to achieve any change the first reaction is what laws let's introduce laws laws which will mandate companies to become more diverse have fraction of a particular in a category in a particular diver, uh, in, in on boards well you know there's a lot of evidence out there that uh, which proves that such laws unfortunately have done nothing to increase either firm diversity or firm performance and uh, but it might be interesting to figure out uh, to see if there's work this this evidence that says that such laws have an aspirational and trickle down effect on fem you know uh, people of certain categories in the corporate world and generate and create generation of uh, diverse directors but yeah there's not much evidence out there right now which states that these laws have been very useful and probably because uh, most of the times these laws are not followed in the spirit it's followed in word for example in india in many you know many firms who are expected to wouldn't have one female on board what are they doing the nominating female members from the major promoter family so, so essentially they're not representing or picking up directors who have varying views now there's another reason why these laws may not be useful and the reason is that it's not just implementation Um, probably laws cannot capture the main essence of the issue um, you know corporate governance regulator of uk says that diversity should go beyond gender race actually it should measure personal attributes like courage ability to listen form relationships how are you going to capture that how are you going to measure that leave aside regulated so then the question is what's the way out <laughs> let me try and give you um, uh, some examples of what companies have done to tangibly improve workplace diversity 
companies like Exxon, American Express, what they do is that they publish diversity statistics on their websites to demonstrate their commitment to diversity. Many Fortune 100 companies, they what they do, they promote diversity through writing it down on their mission and value statements. So one step that companies can do is to be more proactive in disclosing their diversity statistics on the websites, on their mission statements, and do that at all levels and at all fraction, functions, not just at on an average. Don't give an average number. Give a number at all levels and functions. How diverse are you? Another example of what companies have done is that they have picked up, uh, you know, they've, 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 they've ensured that they encourage diversity in companies that they engage with. You must have all heard of the fact that Goldman Sachs has, had announced that it's not going to help companies go public unless and until uh, at least one of the board members is from a minority or let's say at least one diverse board member exists on the board. So, you know, companies can take up campaigns like these, which encourage diversity on in companies that they engage with. So that's another step. So um, one more example is that some companies like Microsoft and Intel have gone much ahead and they have done one more thing, which is that they have included diversity and related uh, stats metrics in the performance evaluation process to for executives. So basically the bonuses that the executives will get will also uh, depend upon how they have ensured diversity and related metrics, uh, other issues. In, in their in their domain. So that's another step that they can do. Now, another thing is that, you know, we, we, all of this can help, but it may not help in naturally building leaders, uh, which are more diverse. And what can we do for that? Um, what research has found is that if you naturally want more supply pool of diverse CEOs and board members, you need to train and have greater diversity at lower levels of uh, the company, uh, like have more diverse CFOs, more have more diverse people taking up greater responsibility. So these are broad steps. But um, I'll take this opportunity to talk a little bit more about what could be, uh, you know, a long lasting and deeper solution, somewhat philosophical solution to this whole uh, issue. I think one must understand why, what's the root cause of this tendency? To associate with people of our own kind. What's the real reason? Now, when I think a little deeper and I think it all arises somewhere because we have this notion of being different and better. Now, be it with respect to religion, caste, language, alma mater, it all starts because we think that the sense is that we are different and we are better. Now, I think when some of us take small steps to follow the spirit of this phrase, which is from the Upanishads, which says, Isha Vasim Idam Sarvam, which when we take small steps to understand that, you know, essentially we are all fundamentally one, similar, and you start recognizing that oneness amongst ourselves, it's then that we'll appreciate that, you know, you and I are all flowers maybe of different colors, maybe of different types. And, and 
and it's then that you'll you know truly and naturally appreciate diversity we will not need laws we will not need these disclosure mandates we will not need corporate policies we naturally have greater diversity we'll wait for that day thank you professor manaswini for your time this was a very interesting and thought provoking discussion it was a pleasure to have you with us my pleasure thank you for having me so that's it from the imb podcast today we hope you enjoyed listening to it do send in your comments feedback and suggestions and we will be happy to read them have a great day bye